B-Pod Studios. This is Talkin' Rock. Talkin' Rock. Your backstage pass to some of your favorite rock artists. Here's your host, Meltdown. Yes, back at it. It's been a couple weeks since I posted a uh, podcast. I uh, did talk to Chris Jericho, but I didn't get up on the podcast because I had uh, other things going on. And you can actually watch that video at WRIF.com slash Meltdown if you're so inclined to check out what Jericho had to say. But uh, this is a two-part interview I did with Robert Trujillo from Metallica on the Thursday before they took to the stage on uh, that Friday and then, of course, Sunday night. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, as you can hear in my voice, it was uh, quite a weekend here in Detroit Rock City with two big shows as they uh, wrapped up uh, their touring uh, for this year, at least on this stadium uh, tour. But, man, the band just sounded awesome, looked great. The stage was just killer. Uh, The Pantera show was awesome. Great to hear Phil singing those songs. Zach Wild uh, doing his thing up there. Actually went to uh, the Motown Museum with Charlie Benante, which we'll talk about here coming up in just a little bit. Of course, the drummer for Anthrax and Pantera. Uh, Wolfgang was great. Walked by Valerie Bertinelli out in the streets of Detroit. So that was pretty exciting. And then uh, come to a Sunday night. It's the guys from Five Finger Death Punch and Ice Nine Kills just uh, destroying it up there on stage as well. Uh, of course, on Saturday, James did the signing here, and uh, um, uh, Rob Dietrich from Blacken uh, did his thing as well, signing bottles too. So lots of stuff happening in and around the Motor City all weekend long, so I'm kind of getting this up. It's like a delayed reaction. Uh, I posted the first part of this interview on Friday and the second part on Saturday, getting ready for Sunday's show. I asked Robert if we could do this in two parts, which, of course, he agreed to because that's what the management company wanted. And uh, we are off and running today on Talking Rock. Sure. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Let's go for it. Yeah. Welcome back to Detroit. Of course, uh, 72 seasons uh, right here came out earlier this year. I didn't realize you guys wrote this about the Lions and how many seasons they haven't made the playoffs. So we're hoping this will. <laughs> That's a Don Jameson joke, by the uh, way. I, told I, me that one. I, you know what? I am so proud of this team. Uh, the Lions, of course, and uh, what's been happening. I'm actually a fan. Oh, really? So, yeah. So, there you go. Have you been to a game uh, outside of Detroit or no? I haven't been to a game outside of Detroit. I haven't been to a game in years, actually. But, uh, you know, I've been following them and, uh, um, you know, kind of keeping up to date with, you know, all the the cool, mm-hmm. positive victories and all the great things that have been happening. We'll like to get you up here in the. Uh, I know that James has a video they play here in the stadium where he's like Lions fans, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, James, James is a fan too. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of interesting with the NFL because you know I grew up a Rams fan, and over the years I've been fans of various teams for different reasons. Sometimes it has to do with uh, players that I followed in, in college mm-hmm. that have uh, gone on to some of the other teams. But, uh, you know, Jared Goff actually played at Marin Catholic, which is in the same neighborhood as our uh, studio, as oh, in, Metallica, HQ, yeah. in Metallica HQ. So I've been kind of following him since he played at Cal. And even when he was playing against my UCLA Bruins, I was still kind of noticing how good he was. So for him to come here and to help, you know, uh, build such a great team with uh, your amazing coach has been uh, really uh, inspiring yeah. even for me as a musician <laughs> 
Well, sports talk here with uh, Robert from there Metallica. There you go. <laughs> but uh, 72 seasons, of course, like I said, came out earlier this year. And uh, there it is. I actually went to the uh, debut of the, the, the movie thing. That was really cool. Out of all the Metallica records you've been involved with, how much input did you have in this one? This one was a lot of fun because this was uh, um, pretty collaborative. And a lot of that just kind of had to do with... Uh, you know, the, the the whole COVID thing and, and being away from everybody and then coming together and uh, sharing that creative spirit. You know, when, when you're away from other, your, your musician brothers and you can't create together, when you get in that room, man, I tell you, it's just, you know, you, you just go to a, a new place uh, creatively. And we started creating this album and building it via Zoom, actually. And then... Eventually, obviously, we were, we were able to get in the same room. And once we were able to do that, you know, it just was like, you know, a, a new experience again. You know, you got to play music in the same room. You know what I mean? And you forget about those things and take those things for granted sometimes. But it was pretty special. And you hear that on this album. A lot of the songs, you know, you feel that kind of... Uh, magic of the room at the moment you know and, and uh, that's what I love about this record yeah you know it's funny that you mentioned that getting back in the studio because so the world shut down and I don't really like to talk about the pandemic anymore but right. it, but, but one here. thing that it did it did open my eyes to when you guys played that um that live uh, movie theater um the, the drive-in thing yeah. So I hadn't been to a concert I've been around music fans in like six months and it was so cool I forgot what it was like to interact with music fans <laughs> You take it for granted, all of a sudden it's gone. Yeah. And now it's like, I can't wait to get out there and talk to the listeners and talk about music. Yeah, I mean, you know, we had that experience in a big way in South America. You know, we, we had gone down to Brazil and Chile and Argentina. And I tell you, the level of passion was just through the roof. Mm. It's already, you know, uh, very passion driven down there. They love rock and roll. And it just felt like everything kind of escalated, you know, to a whole nother level was very impactful and uh it's been that way pretty much through the whole 72 seasons tour um here in the states uh, all around europe everybody seems to be wanting to celebrate this music this band other bands too you know we've been to a few shows and have witnessed it so it's been uh um pretty cool to to actually see that live music still means mm -hmm. so much to people now, so uh, you guys are here, obviously, for Friday and Sunday, like you've been doing uh, throughout the uh, country. You've been here for a few days. Is that kind of normal? Do you guys come into town a few days early like this? Uh, sometimes it depends. Um, I haven't actually been to Detroit and, and hung out for a few years. I mean, the last time I think was around, was it 2014, 2015? And I've had an incredible time. It's a, it's a, a great city with a lot of history a lot of history and music um and the food is great mm -hmm. you know and the people are nice it, it's just been really really fun and and where we're staying uh it's more of a an apartment vibe mm -hmm. so you feel like you know you're at home and uh yeah by the way we'll talk about detroit and its history in part two okay that's coming up next but but there you go a little tease for the next yeah. one uh but no i saw that you were on stage at the fox and it's funny because one of my friends was with you and he said uh you kind of got told by the crew hands that you couldn't stand on the stage because they were getting ready for the grinch <laughs> that's right yeah well <clears throat> let's talk about that for a second no. <laughs> so i was walking with a couple friends and 
there was the Fox. And it was like, wow, I remember playing here in 1991 when I was in the Infectious Grooves. And we were opening for Ozzy mm. on the Theater of Madness tour. And I remember this theater being incredibly beautiful. Beautiful, yeah. It was just really, really special and always stood out. So we're watching them kind of maintain this incredible neon sign in front. I guess uh, they had a re recently, uh, I don't know if they replaced it or they redid it, but they were fixing something up there. Started talking to one of the guys that was working on it, and I told him that I had played there. And then he was like, oh, you want to get a tour? So we were able to get in there, and we ended up hanging out for an hour, and, and it still mm. is incredible. I mean, it's an incredible theater, and I remember you know, uh, 1991 and being there on this tour and how special it was. So there's a lot of those memories. And, and it was just weird because it was very random, um, you know, to to actually get in that building and have that moment uh, reconnect with that place. Yeah. Joe Bonamassa told me completely unprompted that the Fox Theater is one of the nicest places he plays it in the whole world. And, yeah. You know, I, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. It is. Definitely. It's a very special place. With a lot of history. We tried to find Ozzy's signature down in the basement, and we couldn't find it because it's been, you know, 32 years. But uh, And then you were playing Infectious Screws, and you went to Ozzy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was I was out with uh, Charlie Bonante earlier today. We went mm -hmm. to the, the Motown Museum, and he said that there was a gig that you played. I think it was with Suicidal in Finland or something where somebody threw something up on stage. Did Anthrax jump in the crowd or something? Yeah, yeah. Is that's, that what happened? That's when, uh, <laughs> that's when our relationship <clears throat> with anthrax for me officially became real <laughs> because those guys stood up for me and went out there and went toe to toe now look at the, at the time it, it wasn't like the fans were pissed off mm -hmm. they were angry at a technical issue they weren't we they couldn't even see us because we were behind the amps warming up so they chucked you know back then you could have glass beer bottles and they chucked a bottle and it went over the bass amp and i had been kind of hunkered down practicing getting ready and there was a problem with the pa system so they were getting impatient but that bottle hit me in the head mm. and of course i just kind of saw red and i went out to the front of the stage my face was bleeding and i'm like calling people out and there's like freaking 15 20 000 people out there <laughs> of course you know and everybody's drunk so they're like yeah cool you know <laughs> let's fight and i literally was gonna try and go out there and fight you know 10,000 people. I don't know what I was thinking. I was young and you dumb. You have no idea who even threw it. And that. so I was pulled off to the side by the tour manager and said, you know, you got you, you to gotta play in a couple minutes here. So they bandaged me up like I had a toothache, mm -hmm. you know, and then they put the hat on and then we went out there and played. Um, during the time that I was getting bandaged up, apparently my suicidal band uh, members and some of the anthrax team went out there and started socking people up <laughs> that good old fashioned sock up. And they, they, you know, I remember, I think it was the drummer said, Hey man, just so you know, we took care of this. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's all good. And I was like, what does that mean? And then I, of course I found out, you know, basically a couple of knuckleheads got beat down, but look, that was the way it was back then. Um, I don't condone violence or anything, <laughs> but back at that time and probably even before that, that's kind of what happened at hardcore shows and, and thrash shows, punk shows, metal, you know, there was a, a bit of edge and uh, a lot of people would, you know, start 
stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to finish it. And, and you look back on it and it's kind of like, yeah, you know, I guess it was fun, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, I was, uh, you know, that was kind of my initiation into uh, the world of touring and uh, being in an opening band. It was a lot of fun. Anthrax, Suicidal, that was the first official tour that I went on. And that was in Europe. And it was a new experience for me that I always remember and cherish. Yeah, now you, now you tour the world with one of the biggest machines out there. Yeah, yeah, now, today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, I just celebrated my 28th year at WRIF, and I thought to myself, I've always wanted to talk to a member of Metallica in a locker room, so I can check that off my list. This is part one. Part two is coming up. Have a great show Thank uh, you. Friday night. All right. Yeah. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. <laughs> Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text OSCAR to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text OSCAR to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. Now on to part two with Robert. And uh, I talked earlier about going to the Motown Museum with Charlie Benante from Anthrax. I thank my friend Tim for letting me uh, tag along. That was cool. I've been here in Detroit for 28 years. I've never been to the Motown Museum, uh, but I just noticed all the bass. I mean, I, I knew about James Jamerson and, and guys like that, but I didn't realize how much Motown actually played a part in what Robert's done in his upbringing in music. Here's part two. Uh, that uh, Charlie uh, Benante, myself, and a couple of my friends, we went to the uh, Motown Museum. Have you been there here in Detroit? I was there, uh, yeah, the other day. Well, you were. I was there, yeah. Okay, well, I was going to ask you. So as I was watching the video that plays before you go on the tour, there that music is bass-driven. And obviously, yeah. you know, uh, James Jamerson is like a legend. So how much, I mean, did you take any of that in your bass playing uh, growing up, or did, was that not in your wheelhouse? No, that was 100% in my wheelhouse. Really? I grew up listening to nothing but Motown. I listened to a lot of James Brown. And, of course, that was kind of my early years. And then I started listening to Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones and, of course, Black Sabbath. But the interesting thing was that the... I guess you could say the hard rock metal bass players, um, again, before me, were very much inspired by James Jamerson. Mm. And, uh, you know, and then it went it it, kind of translated through bands like Cream. And but there isn't a bass player in rock and metal and sort of uh, modern music that serious about their instrument that doesn't respect those bass lines mm. coming out of Detroit and Motown and the Funk Brothers, of course. Um, yeah, it, it was uh, really a, a, an art, a, a true artistic statement that was brand new and fresh that came out of here, it came out of this city. You know, I always think of it that way, that James Jamerson kind of, he commandeered that the bass would have this persona in this uh it seems presence. so much up front yeah it, you just brought the instrument to the front and uh you know so many musicians after that took it in their own direction but i mean he was the forefather to that with the electric bass yeah and then uh you just you just had my my brain going all these old uh, bass players so jaco pastorius uh you did you find a bass of his or did you search out a bass of his no 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 
So uh, that's a long story. Oh, Basic, <laughs> ba- we don't have time for that one. But uh, but I mean, he must influence you as well. I mean, yeah, Jocko, Jocko influenced me tremendously in the same way that uh, Geezer Butler and mm. Getty Lee influenced me. But Jocko, um, he was important to the instrument because he brought the personality of the performer, not just the player. The player was an important part of it. But back in 1980, when I saw him play, at uh, the uh, Santa Monica Civic Auditorium on the West Coast, I saw a performer, an entertainer, use the instrument as a vehicle mm. to, to you know, bring that personality, which was more prevalent in rock, I think, as the guitarists had that, you know, but he brought that out through the instrument in the same way that Jimi Hendrix mm. brought it out, um, you know, before him. Um but again, you know, I, I always look back to Motown and all the more kind of soul and funk driven songs uh, for the uh, the instrument as a standout, as a feature, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, a lot of history here. This, I tell you, Detroit has there's a certain resonance and there's a soulful quality to this place. It, it's it reminds me of some of the other cool cities that, you know, I mean, like. You know, New York's got a certain swagger. Mm-hmm. Of course, Los Angeles has a swagger, um, you know, whether it's sort of integrated into the punk and the, in the uh, um, uh, you know, skate scene, even the way of life. It feel, I feel like Detroit has a certain swagger that goes way back and um, there's just a soulfulness mm-hmm. to it, you know, and it resonates, especially with the rhythm section. You know, <laughs> you just feel it in your bones, man. It, it's great being back here. And I'm looking at all the buildings and I'm asking the driver, so who lived there? What was that? Or, <laughs> you know, because, you know, I was also a fan of Houdini mm-hmm. and, you know, and I, I his last show here. Yeah, yeah, I learned that Houdini did everything here over at Bell Island off the bridge. He was, you know, uh, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. He's a daredevil. He was a daredevil and I love daredevils. You know, I, I grew up around a lot of daredevils in the skate community where I live. And, uh, a lot of the musicians that I look up to are daredevils and Hey, he was a daredevil. Yeah. He was everything. He was a, you know, magician, but he was also, you know, physically doing things that you could never imagine, you know, at Bell Island, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, where you guys played uh, Orion yeah, uh, about yeah. 10 years ago. I think that was the thing that excited me the most was crossing that bridge. Mm-hmm. And wait a minute. Houdini hung here. <laughs> <laughs> so you just mentioned uh, Getty Lee. So you got a, a project coming out with Getty Lee. I was trying to think of the other bass players that are involved in that and this uh, special that's coming up. Right. Um, as far as I know, Chris, Chris uh, from Nirvana. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and, uh, oh, Les Claypool. Les, yeah, Les, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple others, but it was a lot of fun. I got I got to hang with Getty for two days. Is solid. this the first time you've actually, like, kind of really met him? Or No, I'd met him before, but we, we were hanging out mm-hmm. for 10 to 12 hours, you know, through the weekend. And, uh, and um, we just kind of kind of threw it all into two days. We had two beautiful days down in SoCal and it's basically a lifestyle uh, hang. You know, he wants to know or wanted to know what's it like in the world and the life of Robert Trujillo Mm. outside of base. And uh, he came by the house. We went down to Venice Beach. We uh, we kind of got a 
I have a bit of education on the history of my neighborhood and uh, some of the people I grew up with. It was really, really cool. And the stars kind of aligned, um, you know, those two days. Uh, the waves weren't huge. They filmed me surfing and I did the best I could with what we had. Um, and, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. It was just one of those weird weekends where everything kind of came together. And, uh, and my son was actually playing a gig, too. I think it was on the Saturday night that he was there and he came out and checked that out. I, he, I think he was only going to stay for like two songs and he ended up staying for like, you know, 10 songs. Oh, really? So, Is that right? Yeah. So it's pretty cool. And the funniest thing was people that were there to see the show were like, wait a minute. Is that Getty Lee? You know, they were, there was like the triple take and the quadruple take. And because he had a lot of fans there, yeah. but it was just so surreal that he was hanging at a local guy. This is local style neighborhood. Mm. We're talking, you know, we're, 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 you were talking, you know, neighborhood kids, neighborhood parents. I mean, you know, it, it was all very, very localized. And he's coming out there from Toronto, you know. Yeah, I'm always baffled at the things I get to do just, you know, growing up as just a a punk kid in Western New York now here in Detroit for half my life. But it's like it's a moment like that where you got to think to yourself, this is insane. Yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, I played in backyard party bands um, at age 16 Mm. and we played La Via Strangiato. Mm. We we played YYZ. We played, you know, all those classic songs, you know, the harder, the better back then. And we probably butchered them, mm. but we would play these backyard parties and play Rush songs in the same way that we also played Ozzy songs and we played Black Sabbath songs and Van Halen and all these different bands. So you can imagine hanging out with one of your heroes mm. and um, just trying to stay grounded. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's a human being and, uh, you know, you always want to treat people with respect and, uh, and again, stay grounded. But at the same time, you're going, damn, that's Getty Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, you know, obviously you play with Ozzy a bunch of times. Somebody was asking me about this uh, today, about that diary of a madman. So, so you redid all the tracks like 20 years ago or something, right? Yeah. So basically that's an interesting story because I don't know what they what who played on what I mean, you know what i was going, telling hey, someone else i still don't yeah, know who yeah played i don't what. i mean everybody's like robert trio did this and that and i'm like well wait a minute i remember like tracking that stuff but i remember i felt like other people were tracking and i didn't ask questions because i was basically so you don't know what songs you're on or I, I mean i played everything but i don't know what they used on gotcha. the, you know you probably have to ask the 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 record company people but you know i guess uh, the way I looked at it at the time was number one, I was there for Ozzy and Sharon, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm still there for Ozzy and Sharon. Ozzy is, uh, you know, he's my hero. And, um, and the other side to that is it's like the original tracks are always going to exist. Mm-hmm. They're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So whatever I'm doing, doesn't mean dookie or doesn't mean because <laughs> they're going to it's always going to be there. And that's what people that's the stuff that counts. And um, and uh, and I kind of forgot about it. And then years later, people kind of had brought it up. And I go, yeah, that's right. But I can honestly say, you know, I mean, they may have used it all or they, they may have said, man, that, that kid butchered, the, butchered <laughs> the crap out of that song or whatever. You know, he played it wrong. <laughs> you know, it's like. Rob, you played the song wrong, man. You know, I don't know. 
But uh, I guess the other end of this, too, is uh, I do remember hearing outtakes of Randy Rhodes and Bob Daisley and, you know, Kurzlack on yeah. drums and just being like, wow. And they're talking and hearing all that fun stuff mm. on there and just, you know, um, kind of more excited about that mm. than anything. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was probably like 30, 33 years ago or something. Yeah, it was a while ago. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. That long yeah. ago. That wasn't, that wasn't like last week or anything. Okay, right, right, right. I got you. I mean, yeah, I was, I was a lot younger. All right, well, final thing here for you. Uh, when, I, when I was talking to you, I went back and I rewatched Some Kind of Monster in 2003. So that's 20 years ago. And then I, I didn't realize this until I saw your Instagram, but you got married in 2003. It's like, that was like a world-changing seismic shift for you, wasn't it, that year? Yes. Uh, 2003 was... The year that changed my life um, in so many ways, like you said, marriage, starting a family, learning and growing, uh, being a part of a team mm. for real, um, you know, moving to San Francisco from Los Angeles, uh, you know, just so many things happened. Uh, also, uh, work ethic, you know, I started to to really process work ethic and, and it's always been important to me, but for some reason when I joined Metallica, you know, uh, there were new challenges and there was sort of a new level of, uh, of, like, well, I'll say work ethic, you know, where it's like, yeah, sure. You can, you can go out and you can party your ass off. You, you, you know, you're responsible for yourself, but at the end of the day, you got to get up on that stage and give a hundred percent. And that's the one thing about this band is it's always a hundred percent, you know? So no matter what you do, you've got a responsibility to the team, to the family. And, uh, and I really did learn from that. Not to say that I, I didn't, um, embrace that, you know, through my career before that. But at a certain point when I got in this band, it was a little crazier because everything kind of exceeded what I had imagined, meaning there was more press. There were uh, longer shows. Um, the catalog was was vast, but then I didn't know what we were going to play some of the times. Uh, you know, I'd ask Kirk, so what, what, what's the set list going to look like? And he'd tell me one thing, and then I'd ask James, and he'd tell me another thing. <laughs> and then I'd ask Lars, you know, who would know more than anybody? And he'd tell me something completely different. So, you know, and I didn't want to, like, kind of bother people. Mm -hmm. So I tried to learn as much as I could of the catalog without bothering these guys because, you know, we had St. Anger coming out. They're probably concentrating and focusing on learning those songs, which I was too. But at the same time, I didn't just have to learn the St. Anger songs. I had to learn, you know, 22 years of back catalog. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of responsibility already when I uh, had joined the band and um, it did help me grow pretty quick and uh, teach me a little more about, you know, being a musician, being a professional and, you know, being the best person I could be. And now 20 years later, here you are in Detroit, Rock City. That's exactly where I want to be. <laughs> so <laughs> it's perfect. And of course, uh, tonight it's Ice Nine Kills and Five Finger Death Punch. And uh, and of course, Metallica. So, Robert, thank you so much for your time. And thanks for uh, being so kind to WRIF. Thanks for having me. 
I mean, if there's any question about who the kings of rock are, <laughs> it's definitely Metallica. What a show. What a weekend right here in Detroit Rock City. Got to thank uh, Robert for taking some time out to uh, talk with us. And uh, thank everybody for saying hello at the venue. Uh, man, it was, a, it was a great, great weekend. A lot of energy right here in Detroit Rock City. Saw a bunch of people from out of town as well. I met people from uh, all over the country. And as a matter of fact, uh, some from even all over the world. I saw my friend uh, David Ellison on his birthday, formerly from Magda, so it's cool to see him too. So, anyways, thank you guys so much for checking out Talking Rock. We've got some more coming up here. Uh, keep uh, checking back. Uh, you know, uh, peep my page out every now and then at Meltdown WRIF on Twitter and Facebook, and we'll do it all again real soon. Thank you for listening to Talking Rock with Meltdown. You can help this podcast grow by giving it a five star rating and writing a review on Apple and iTunes. Plus, feel free to subscribe and share it with your friends. Until next time, thanks for listening to Talking Rock.